If you have your Bible with you, would you take it out, please, and turn to Psalm 136, the 136th Psalm. Psalm 136, we'll read verses 1 through 3 and then a few others uh, through the course of that psalm. Uh, And that will be the first passage that we will examine this evening, Psalm 136. A few weeks ago, Stephanie and I were talking about holidays, and it was around Halloween. And Halloween is and has been Stephanie's favorite holiday for many, many years. And she asked me, she asked me, what's your favorite holiday? And uh, I don't know that I'd ever really given a lot of thought or consideration to that. What is my favorite holiday? And after thinking about it for a while, uh, I landed on Thanksgiving. I I think Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Um, And part of that's because I have such great memories growing up, going to my grandparents' house uh, in East Texas for Thanksgiving. And the house was warm, and there was so much love in there with family and with friends, and the food was really good, and then we'd watch the Cowboys lose, and, and then we would play games late into the evening. And uh, yes, even though the Cowboys have lost seven of the last ten Thanksgivings, I think Thanksgiving still is my favorite holiday. Uh, even compared to some more uh, holidays that are more overtly connected with Christianity, uh, though I don't celebrate those religiously, uh, I think it's appropriate for us as Christians to celebrate a day like this. It's not something that's required, of course, but it is something that certainly corresponds with the attitude that Christians should have. This idea of thanksgiving, giving thanks, being grateful. And so, since that's going to be celebrated by so many, at least in our country, uh, on Thursday of this week, this lesson is my reminder for all of us to remember the reason for this season and count our blessings. Throughout the Bible, we see that concept, uh, not just of being grateful and thankful, but that concept even of counting our blessings. We see dozens of passages where we see faithful people of God counting the blessings, listing the blessings, we might say, that God has given them. And one of those is this great Hallel Psalm, this psalm of praise and thanksgiving that's Psalm 136. And uh, we've preached uh, whole lessons out of this psalm. Uh, But just notice a couple of things with me. Verse 1 of Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. And every one of these statements has that phrase after it, his mercy endures forever. But maybe something that we were so focused on this other repeated phrase, maybe we miss the the first repeated phrase, and that is, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And part of the reason why is that the whole phrase is not repeated throughout the psalm. Instead, starting in verse 4, it says, to him who alone does wonders, for his mercy endures forever. Well, that's an incomplete sentence. To him what? To him... We are to give thanks. To him belong blessing and honor and all of those things. Give thanks to the Lord, 
for his mercy endures forever. And what we find in the rest of this psalm is that the psalmist just goes through the history of the people of Israel. And he says, give thanks to the Lord because he did this in our history. Give thanks to the Lord for he did this in our history. And he just lists... He counts the blessings of all of the things that God had done for his people uh, throughout the Old Testament up to this point. And perhaps there would be no greater concept about God for people in that time to understand and under that covenant to understand than his, his mercy, his loving kindness endures forever. Now, obviously, that's an important concept for us to know as well, that God always keeps his promises, especially as it is applied to his people in love and grace and mercy. But just knowing that concept, knowing that God is gracious and merciful and loving and filled with loving kindness is incomplete if we are not also thankful for that. And so what the psalmist does is he says, here are all the reasons why we all, as children of Israel, as Israelites, we we all should be thankful for God for who he is. Uh, Turn to Psalm 103. So we looked at Psalm 136. Here's another example. Psalm 103 just happened to be pretty close here in the Bible. Enumerate or count the blessings that God has given. We'll just give these two examples. Psalm 103, uh, the first textual talk I ever gave uh, where it wasn't just some topic I was trying to you know give my vast wisdom on as I was starting trying to do some lessons I was probably 18 years old the first textual study I ever did was out of Psalm 103 Um, and this was one of my grandfather's favorite psalms we actually read this psalm at his funeral Um, notice just a few verses Psalm 103 verse 1 bless the Lord O my soul And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Drop down to verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Uh, Drop down to verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like the grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. What's he doing at the beginning of this psalm? He's counting the blessings of having this relationship with God. And it should be comforting to us on all occasions, but especially in times of loss like funerals, that the same Lord that showers us with spiritual blessings and forgiveness and redemption in this short, frail life that we're living, he also remembers us in the next, and he will prepare a dwelling place for us. And we should be thankful for that, right? We should count those blessings. Uh, just one more example uh, from the Old Testament. Turn to First Chronicles 16. First Chronicles 16. This is on the occasion where the Ark of the Covenant is being returned to 
the tabernacle by David. And in verse 7 of 1 Chronicles 16, David says this, On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works. And he goes on to describe and list the things that God has done to count those blessings from God. And then at the end of this, this psalm that is in the book of Chronicles, in verse 34, he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, Save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. God does all of these things, and the expectation is that we will thank him and praise him in response. In verse 36, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen. And praised the Lord. And blessed be God, that idea reminds me of the list that that Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 1. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. What a summary statement in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And he goes on to enumerate some of those blessings. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. He made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He has made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. He gathers us together in Christ. We have obtained an inheritance or been made a heritage. We've been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. We have the word of truth, the gospel of salvation in which we trust, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What is he doing? He's counting the blessings that we have, those spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, Barrett alluded to this. If we were to sit down and write a list to count our blessings, it might be a little bit different. Because in this list, and in many of the lists we find, especially in the New Testament, there is no mention of any physical things. So as thankful as we should be for the physical, all men receive some of those blessings, physical blessings from God. Even as we quoted uh, this morning in Bible class, God makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust, Matthew 5.45. And so those physical things... Those physical things come and go. Thank you, God, for my health. I'm so grateful that I have my health. But I know if I live long enough, what's going to happen? In all likelihood, that health is going to be taken from me. Uh, I thank God for my parents, and I'll continue to be thankful for them uh, even after they pass, if they pass before before, uh, I do. Uh, But in all likelihood, they're going to be taken from me if things work as they do normally in this world. And so those physical things, they come and go. They can be taken from us. But as his children, we have special blessings for which we should be thankful that cannot be taken from us. 
The only way we can lose those things is to let them go. And so you see a list like what he does in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. None of those things can be taken from us. We can let them go. We can give them back. But none of those things can be taken from us. And so it's important for us to give thanks. And there is a Greek word that is translated just that way. Thanksgiving or giving of thanks. And that word is found 15 times in our New Testament. And I've just got them listed on the screen behind me. And it's interesting that we see growth in this concept of thanksgiving or giving of thanks as we look through these 15 uses. We are commanded to have thanksgiving, to be people who give thanks. But also, that's something that should be done at all times. That's something that should be done on all occasions. That should be done everywhere. And then in addition to it being something that just is... uh, Uh, something that that defines our lives as Christians, it's also something that we should grow in. We grow in thanksgiving until we overflow and abound in giving of thanks. And uh, for some, maybe that's easier than others. Maybe you're listening to the lesson tonight and you're thinking, oh great, another one of these count your blessings lessons. Maybe you're not a naturally thankful person. Uh, Maybe you have a strong sense of duty that says, why should I thank or be thanked for just doing what I or someone else ought to do? Um, When I was in college, I went out to eat with someone, and and I was doing what I normally did um, as my parents had trained me, and the the waiter or waitress, I don't remember which it was, would bring us something, bring us water, because we were college kids, probably drinking water, and free chips and salsa, I think. I think it was at Chili's, maybe. Um, and, and so I was saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And by the end of that meal, he kind of looked at me almost offended by that. He's like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you just saying thank you for everything? Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and I remember, I, I don't exactly remember exactly how he put it, but it was something like this. That's their job. Why are you thanking them for it? Now, clearly, uh, this friend of mine had never worked in the food service industry, Right? But even more, I think we should address that kind of thinking. Think of it this way. Is it my duty to raise my children? Yeah, it's my duty to raise my children. I've been given that duty by God. That's something that I I chose to have children, and so now I have a duty to raise those children. Are my children to be thankful and grateful for the raising that they are receiving? Absolutely, right? And if they are not grateful for the raising that they're receiving, what would we call them? Uh, Spoiled brats, right? Because they're not thankful, even though it's my duty to do that. I'll give you another example. Is it your duty, if you're married, to serve your spouse in a loving, kind, and respectful way? Has God given you that duty? Absolutely. But how do you feel or how would you feel if you never received any thanks for fulfilling your role as a husband or wife? How would you feel? Um, Unappreciated? Neglected? Not going to feel very good about that. One more example. Uh, When you agree to uh, work at a specific place and you agree to the, the qualifications of that job, it is your duty to do that job. And it's quid pro quo. You're getting paid You're getting paid for what it is that you've agreed to do. But how does it feel, and we've probably all worked for bosses like this, how does it feel to work for a boss who never compliments any of your work, never gives you any praise or thanks 
for what it is you're doing. How does that feel? How do you feel? Maybe you feel used. Maybe you feel taken for granted, right? And uh, it's your duty. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But we understand that there should be some gratitude that goes along with that as well. And all of those examples are us doing what it is that we're supposed to do. Um, And yes, we should. We deserve some praise maybe for those things. But even more, beyond that sort of quid pro quo, if we see that we are undeserving of the blessings that we've received, undeserving of what we have been given, then that should mean that we're even more grateful. This relationship that we have with God is not some quid pro quo sort of scenario. Instead, we have so many things that we receive from God that we do not deserve. Um, I'm talking about grace uh, this afternoon. Um, Grace is more than one thing that God did for us, even a big thing like saving us. It is all the things that God has done and continues to do that we do not deserve. All of the things that brought about our salvation, going back to the foundation of the world, and all of the things that God continues to do for us. Grace is often used this way of, of all of God's favors, all of God's blessings, all of the things that God does for us and bestows on us. And we should be grateful, we should be thankful for those things that we continually receive from Him. Uh, let me give you one example. 1 Timothy chapter 1, turn over there, 1 Timothy chapter 1. So we're thankful that God saved us, right? But are we continually thankful for the other things that God does for us spiritually? Here's an example. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. I am grateful. I thank God because he's given me the opportunity to work for him even though... Verse 13, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. So he's merciful. I'm not punished for that in the way that I deserve. But his grace is exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And now he says, I am an example of that to others. But he begins all of this by saying, I'm thankful, yes, that God saved me, even though I was a blasphemer and an insolent man. But his grace continues to be shown in giving me the opportunity to work for him. And I thank God, Paul says, for that opportunity. Don't you? Don't you thank God for the opportunity that he has given you to work in his stead? And so we're grateful. Grateful for opportunities to serve and grateful for what we can accomplish through our faith in God. Can we really say things like, and I've heard this said, I've heard this said by believers, I've heard this said by those who claim to be New Testament Christians. If the heart is right, then external details and specific actions don't even matter that much. If the heart is right, then external details and specific actions don't even matter that much. Or maybe it's worded as a question. Do those things even matter that much if the heart is right? Surely we see that we must say as Christians, if the heart is right, we would not ask such foolish questions. 
The right heart, the grateful heart, strives to do all, even while recognizing the unworthiness of the things we do and praying for forgiveness. By gratitude, we work in that way. How foolish our questions can be and how little our faith is if we don't have this attitude of gratitude in light of what God has done for us. And yet some may ask questions like, well, how much should I pray? Uh, First of all, pray. I'm I'm so grateful God even hears my prayers that I have this opportunity. And so it's not a matter of, well, how much do I have to pray? It is, I am so thankful and grateful that I have the opportunity to pray. How much do I have to read my Bible? What an ungrateful attitude. It depends. How close do you want to be to God? That's how much you have to read your Bible. How well do you want to know Him? How much do you want the Holy Spirit to direct you uh, and dwell with you? Well, that's going to be determined by how much you read your Bible. How grateful should we be that we have the revealed Word of God to know God's will? And how grateful should we be that we live in a time and place where I can carry it around in my pocket? And if we're grateful, it's not how much do I have to, it's I get to. And we can ask those same questions. How much do I have to come to worship? Can God require anything uh, from me? Does my relationship with God demand my works? Or even, if the Bible doesn't say not to do it, I can just do it, right? Gratitude eliminates those insincere, perhaps, or immature, at the very least, questions from our minds. We are just grateful. We are grateful for these things that God does for us. So let us get back to a focus on what I can do for the Lord or what I get to do for the Lord instead of what do I have to do for the Lord. And gratitude is going to allow us to do that. So uh, here is the big point of the lesson, the take home that I want you to consider. Uh, I have three gentlemen who have some handouts that they're going to hand out at this point. Um, I didn't want you looking ahead and uh, doing this before we got to this point in the lesson. For what are you thankful? Are you thankful for some things? Surely, surely we're all thankful for some things. For what are you thankful spiritually, those things that cannot be taken away from you unless you give them up? And for what are you thankful physically, those things that can be taken away from you, but God has chosen to bless you with those things for this moment in time, for this season of life, and you're grateful that you have them, Uh, no matter how long or short you might have those things. And so while those things are being passed out, and while everybody's thinking about the things they're grateful for, uh, I'm going to read my list. So these are five things, spiritual things, that I'm thankful for. Number one, I'm thankful that God is a righteous judge. Uh, I have questions in my mind and heart. How can a good man who isn't a Christian go to hell? How can a bad man who is a Christian go to heaven? Uh, What if I'm wrong about some of the things that I teach uh, and so I'm leading people down the wrong path? I mean, those sorts of things bother me. Uh, But I am grateful that God is a perfect and righteous judge, that there will be no mistakes in judgment. Uh, And it gives me great comfort and assurance to know that God is that kind of judge. Uh, Let me advance this. For what are you thankful? Here are five spiritual things. Number two, I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for it in the terms that we just talked about a second ago. But specifically, I am thankful that we have something constant and unchanging from God. 
that he has set a standard that can be applied to all peoples, in all times, in all situations. It is still relevant, it is still powerful, it is still authoritative. And there is a lot of comfort in that for me, that we have this word of God. And that's one of those things that Paul and others talks about being by God's grace. He graciously showed his will to us and graciously preserved it so that we can know what it is he would have us to do. Um, I am thankful for prayer. And specifically right now, over the past few weeks, I'm thankful for the prayers of my brethren. Uh, my family's had a little run here, not my immediate family, but extended family. We've had a little run here where we have requested lots of prayers. We've requested prayers for my grandmother uh, and her breaking her hip and her surgery and her rehab and all of those things. We've requested prayers for that, and she's back home. She's doing well. We've requested prayers for her husband, Jerry, who is a faithful Christian man, and we're so blessed and grateful to have him in our family. Uh, but he had that... Uh, GI blockage and a bleeding ulcer and all of those things and and we sent out an email a bunch of people praying we we requested prayers for my sister-in-law and her baby uh, baby Hudson Reeves is now healthy and doing well and home and all of those sorts of things I cannot tell you the kind of comfort that it gave to me to know that there were dozens of my brothers and sisters in Christ who were praying for all those things I know that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much how much more if it's a hundred or two hundred uh, I'm very very grateful for your prayers and I'm grateful for my brethren in general number four because all of you are perfect and I never get frustrated with any of you no because I'm not alone in my fight uh, because I'm not a solitary soldier because I have people who love me and care about me and hold me accountable and build me up I'm grateful for you and I'm thankful for Christ's sacrifice. I don't know when I started doing this. Uh, as long as I can remember in prayers, I assume it was something my parents taught me. But when I would get to the end of my prayer, I would say, and thank you most of all for Jesus. Uh, I still feel that way. Uh, the thing that I am most thankful for spiritually is Christ and his sacrifice and all that that means. So those are five spiritual things for which I'm thankful and in the moment, there are five physical things that I'm going to list as well. These are the things that can be taken from me, uh, but God has chosen to bless me with these things. I am thankful for my wife, and I'll get in trouble if I say anything more than that. I'm thankful for my wife. Uh, secondly, I'm thankful for the family into which I was born, thinking about Thanksgiving. Um, it's a blessing that I have so many Christians in my family. Uh, it was a great privilege why was I born into that family instead of another? I don't know. The grace of God, right? There but for the grace of God go I. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for my children. They were arguing this afternoon and I almost struck this one from the list. No, they bring so much joy to me. And I'm thankful that they're healthy. I'm thankful that they're, uh, I'm going to start bragging now, funny and competitive and smart and so much more. If you disagree with that, don't tell me. Children aren't assured. Uh, but I am grateful and thankful for mine uh, and thankful enough, hopefully, to do everything I can to raise them and nurture in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I am thankful for the peaceful and quiet life that I have led. Uh, I have led, there have been times of difficulty, even I might say great difficulty, uh, but I have led an easy life in so many ways. And life is tough, the devil makes it harder, 
I am grateful that God has seen fit to, to give me a life that has so many good things in it. And I know an easy life could be taken from me, uh, but I'm grateful for it while I have it. And I'm thankful for all of the enjoyments of life. It's not just that it's peaceful and quiet and easy. It's filled with so many good things, um, with fun and enjoyment and good food and warm houses and a good book and pleasant conversation and so many good things. And I'm grateful for those things. Okay, so those are my five spiritual things and physical things. Uh, it's tough limiting this list to ten things. And so maybe it's not a matter of you take this handout and you do five and five. Maybe what you do instead is you set a timer and for 15 or 30 minutes or an hour, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to list all of the things that God has blessed me with. But here is what I would encourage you to do. Um, I would encourage you to be specific. Be specific about these things, both spiritual and physical, that God has blessed you with. Uh, most of us are going to have a little time off this week. Not all of us, but most of us are going to have a little time off this week. Take some time to reflect and be specific about how God has blessed you. And don't stop there. I would encourage you to pray a specific prayer of thanksgiving for these things that God has blessed you with. And maybe this is something that you do as a family. Maybe this is something that you do with your kids and your grandkids. Maybe this is just something that you do yourself in the quiet and peace of your own home. But this attitude of thankfulness, this counting our blessings, is not just something that is biblical. It is something that is foundational to our outlook and our attitude as Christians and who God has called us to be. This week, Thanksgiving is the beginning in our secular calendar of a great progression over the next 40 days or so, I think it's 42 or 43, we are reminded of our blessings and we're grateful for what we have. We, many of us, give from our blessings and are blessed even more. And from that place of blessing and gratitude, we resolve to do better in the future than we were in the past. That's these last few days of our year. And if this thanksgiving can be the first step in that progression for all of us, where we truly are grateful, and we see those blessings and use those blessings to bless other people, and then we resolve to be better because of those things, well, what a blessing indeed that can be for us. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, though it's not something we have to celebrate, happy Thanksgiving. And I pray that we as Christians will lead the charge in giving of thanks. If you're here this evening, you're not yet a Christian, you have the opportunity to become one. You can put Christ on in baptism. The greatest blessing that you can receive in your life, uh, something that we will all be grateful for, but not just us who are seated here. God Himself, Christ Himself, the Holy Spirit, the angels in heaven will rejoice in gratitude and thanksgiving if you will make that choice. If you're already a Christian, and you need the help of your brothers and sisters in Christ, we're here for you to help you in whatever way we can. We'll pray for you. We'll pray with you. All you have to do is come while together we stand and while we sing.